Hello and welcome to another beautiful day. It's great to be serving the Lord today. This is Five Alive Devotional Podcast. And today we are going to be completing John chapter 20. We're going to be talking about a person who did not believe Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. He had doubt. Maybe he had trust issues. Maybe he himself struggled with following through or being persistent in an action, like, you know, never completing a task all the way. Or maybe he just struggled with disbelief. I'm not really sure what the reason is, but the Apostle Thomas at first did not believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. He's not an unusual He's not alone. There are many people that have struggled with disbelief and with doubt. And so I'm just curious, have you ever listened to someone? This doesn't have to be related to religion, Christianity, or anything like that. But just in general, you heard somebody talking and you did not believe a word they were saying. Yes. Yes. Have you ever been given instructions by an instructor and you just knew, I can't trust this instructor. They are lying to me right now. And they're asking me to do something that I know I should not do. Yes. Yes. So what are some of the reasons that led you to doubt the validity, the truthfulness of what that instructor said or what the person you hear, heard speaking, you know they're just blatantly lying. What made you doubt that they were telling the truth? One time in my life, I was about the age of 19 years of age, and there was this evangelist that was in town, and I went to go hear this evangelist speak. Uh, we had a moment of altar time, so I came forward, and the evangelist came to me, and he said, if you don't jump, then you'll never know the joy of the Lord. <laughs> I opened my eyes up, and I looked at this evangelist, and I said, what did you just say? And he said, I said, if you do not jump, like jump. I said, jump up and down. He goes, yes, jump up and down. Like if you do not jump up and down right now, you will never experience the joy of the Lord. I looked at him and I said, who are you to tell me when the joy of the Lord can come and not come? I said, there, that is not scriptural whatsoever. So knowing a fact yeah. of reading God's word, our joy comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from physically jumping up and down. Right. So I knew he was wrong. Any other reasons uh, or, or times of uh, doubt? You doubted the person's truthfulness? Well, uh, especially whenever you're talking about something you have um, experience in doing, say, me personally, my dad, you, my dad, you have taught me how to use almost every power, oh, not powerful, but every tool you can use at home. I've learned how to use drills, screwdrivers, hammers, and anything you need to fix your house. And anytime he needs help, I will help him and he'll show me how to do certain things. Mm -hmm. And so whenever talking to some people that think they know what they're doing and try and explain it, like, oh, and I'm doing this because, you know, this and this. And I'm like, you're completely wrong, but okay. <laughs> that That's when I know, like, certain statements of whenever they're talking about construction or building something or other things like certain uh, natural facts of science. And they'll say something that is way off base, but they still believe it. Mm. But I know from experience from trying these things and from reading about it that that's not true 
that's whenever I don't believe other people what other people are saying. Okay. So knowledge gained from study, knowledge gained from life application, uh, gives us uh, discrepancies of okay, that person I don't, I don't trust everything they're saying because I've I have my experiences and my experiences do not line up with what's going on here, and so it brings doubt. Sure. Anything else? Math. Math. Yeah. Do you want to bring up math? Why math? Because you doubt math. You do. Okay. You don't trust the system. You don't trust I don't trust math because I think it's incorrect because the way I do my math, <laughs> I always get the answer right. And mommy always tells me I'm doing it wrong, but I got the answer right, so I don't need to change it. She always tells me I need to change it, so then I have to change it. I can remember, because I did enjoy math a lot as I was a young man, uh, all the way up through my plus two, my 12th grade time, I, I did trigonometry calculus. So, I mean, I had a lot of um, mathematical knowledge. And I can remember when I was your age, Mallory, that I would do this similar thing to you where I could do the math my way and I could get a problem right. But then whenever I was given another problem, if I didn't follow what the formula, the formula was, what the, uh, now I'm losing all my mathematical knowledge, but... Uh, the method or the... Yeah, the methodology, whatever was given as an instruction of, okay, you've got to do X plus Y to equal this. If I changed it just a little bit, sometimes I could get an answer right without following what the instruction was for that series of events. However, there were others that would be wrong because I didn't follow the formula because the formula is always accurate because math never changes. <laughs> math never changes. <laughs> is consistent. Uh, I wrote down a few reasons of why I doubt people. Uh, sometimes I just see them and they seem off. They seem sketchy. They seem like, okay, this person is trying to manipulate me to believe them and they're totally full of lies. Sometimes it's because I've heard the person lie to other people that I don't trust them because I've heard them as they've constantly and compulsively lied to others that when they talk to me, I think, well, if they lied to them, if they lied to their mom, they're going to lie to me. So how can I trust them in this moment? Other times in the moment that we're going to be talking about today, I think that the, when there is an impossible statement that is given to you, that there's just no way that your mind can conceive of this event happening, it makes it hard to believe, and so therefore you have doubt. For instance, when it comes to an airplane, if we were 200 years ago, and somebody said you could build a hollow metal tube put wings on the side of it, and it would fly in the air if you gave it enough power, I bet you people 200 years ago would be like, you're crazy. There's no way that could ever happen. I mean, they were barely struggling. I mean, they were struggling to get balloons up in the air to carry people 200 years ago. I was just reading a book on uh, Bunker Hill, which is one of the battles that was fought in the United States when they were trying to gain their independence from England. And one of the characters that was talked about quite heavily, he had attempted to take a balloon and travel by the balloon with another person over the English Channel. And it was a long time for them to do that. So to think 
200 years later to think, think in the 21st century that we fly in airplanes and not just some airplanes, but there's hundreds of airplanes that are in the sky at all times of the day and night. That seems like an impossible statement back then that has been proved to be true. So you think about uh, Da Vinci when he was saying, hey, we can make flying machines. People probably looked at him like, this guy is nuts. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Another thing is that sometimes we're given an impossible request. I need you to do X, Y, and Z, and I need you to accomplish it in four hours. And you think in your mind, there's no way I could do it that fast. There's no way, hey, I need you to solve these hundred problems, mathematical problems, and I need you to do it in one hour. How do you feel about those timed tests? Horrible. I hate timed tests. If I do something timed in math, I freeze up and I don't know what to do. So it, sometimes it seems like an impossible request, right? Yeah. Another reason that I don't always believe somebody when they tell me something is because they don't have anything to prove it. I caught a 50-pound bass in the river, and I've never heard of a bass that large being caught in the world before in my life. You have no picture, you have no fish, and yet you're telling me you caught a 50-pound bass. I'm going to have trouble believing you, especially when you have no proof. So sometimes that is why I struggled. We're talking about uh, something in a second, where when we read today's scripture, we're going to see that there was a disciple not present on the scripture that we read last week. He wasn't in the room when Jesus appeared. And eight days later, these guys are still panicking, scared. They're locking the door every time. They're making sure all the windows are shut. And they're all sitting inside of the room and they're worried, they're scared that they're going to get found out to be Jesus's disciples. And yet Jesus has appeared to them and showed himself to them, yet they're still scared. And we won't go into all the ramifications that that could be. Instead, what we're going to do is go ahead and read uh, from John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So Thomas is doubtful at the beginning of this. He, he's not sure. The disciples, his friends, they have told him Jesus is alive. We've seen him with our own eyes, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, well, you know, I wasn't there. And unless I can put my hands in his hands and my hands in his side. I'm not going to believe that Jesus really rose from the dead. And so you, we have to ask ourselves, is this because his mind can't comprehend the reverse of the natural order of things? Or is it just because he's a person that doesn't believe naturally? 
that he constantly always is doubting other. He's very skeptical. Okay, unless I see it, then I'll believe it kind of a thing. Did he forget what he witnessed when he saw Jesus speak into a tomb and a man named Lazarus who had been dead for four days came walking out? Did he forget that? Did he think that that was a hoax? No, I don't think that that's what at all happened to him. I believe he really knew Jesus was a prophet. And when he spoke into that graveyard and Lazarus came out, that he saw, he witnessed, and he gave testimony of Lazarus's resurrection. Well, maybe he forgot that even in the Old Testament, we have a story of Elisha, that there is a boy that dies, and Elisha puts his hands on the boy's hands and his feet on the boy's feet and his face on the boy's face, and Elisha breathes life into this young boy who has been dead for a multitude of days, and all of a sudden, the boy is raised to life, and they have this within the historical teachings of the Old Testament. Or maybe even he had forgotten temporarily that there was a man named Enoch written in the book of Genesis, that he lived for 365 years of his life. And then all of a sudden, as he was walking with God one day, he was no more. There was no body, nothing. He just all of a sudden, poof, disappeared and he was with God again. So is this what's going on in Thomas's mind, that he's forgetful? that he doesn't believe something that he eyewitnessed? Or does he just doubt as an authentic humanness of what is going on in his life at this moment? He heard, he saw, he witnessed Jesus' beating. He knows that Jesus was so brutally treated by the Romans that there's no way he could survive. Whereas when Lazarus died, how did he die? He died just by natural causes. The boy in the story of Elijah, he fell down in the field, natural causes. Enoch, he just went and walked with the Lord. But he's witnessed somebody brutally beaten to the point of death. And now you're saying that nobody spoke, nobody did anything. There wasn't a prophet that came into the graveyard or there wasn't a man of God that didn't. But that the man of God that we put into the tombs, he's the one that rose because his power is so great that he could be dead for three days and rise again on the third day. I think the authenticity is the beautiful part of this story because John is writing this and the scribes that have continued to pass it on from generation to generation, the storytellers that had told this story throughout all of the world up until this time, they have never exempted this fact that Thomas doubted Jesus. And I think that's important for us. When we have mythological stories, who are the people that usually doubt the supreme power of who the story is written about. Like if we say Zeus, who were the people that would doubt Zeus's power? The humans. Or the humans or? Or his enemies. His enemies, yeah. Right? If we're talking about um, in Hindu mythology, anybody that is seen to be a god, if the person doubts who that god is, usually they're what? The enemy of that god, right? If you disbelieve, then you're an enemy. Thomas disbelieves Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and yet he's called a disciple of Jesus. And what we just read and the account of what happened, did Jesus yell at Thomas for his doubt? Mm-hmm. No. I can't believe you doubted me. Did he belittle him and say, you are so small-minded. How could you not believe that I am the Messiah? Is that what we do today whenever we have somebody that doesn't believe us, though? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Instead, that's not what happens at all. Instead, what happens is, is we have Jesus saying, Thomas, 
And then he just sticks his hands out like, hey, right here, put your hands in my hands. Put your, put your hand on my side. I want you to be a part of the whole of what everybody has already, all of your brothers and sisters that are in this room right now, they've already discovered this. I want you to be a part of that. I think that is a beautiful example to us of the authenticity of the passage of John chapter 20 and the scriptures that we have that prove to us that Jesus rose from the dead, that he is alive and that he's not just alive in this moment, but he's alive today in the 21st century. And so Jesus makes this statement, do not disbelieve, but believe. Do not disbelieve, but believe. It's been eight days since he last appeared. All the doors are locked. All the disciples are present. And Jesus teleports into the room. He just all of a sudden shows up, walks through the wall, comes through the ceiling, whatever, however he gets there, he just all of a sudden appears in the room. And he again calms the crowd with a greeting of peace, peace be with you. Why? Because they are scared to death. Have you ever been walking down a hallway or in your room or in maybe even the kitchen and all of a sudden somebody comes around the corner and they're not meaning to scare you, but you weren't expecting them to be there. And all of a sudden you're just like, ah! has that ever happened to you? Yes. Have you ever done it on purpose? Me. I've done it on purpose. <laughs> I've scared mommy so many times. I've come out of my room and I've been in, and I've walked into the kitchen and I've stood behind her for like five minutes. By the time she turns around, she screams like <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to kill her or something. But I'm not. I was just doing it for fun. Yeah, she's just, and 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 there's no reason for Blair to be frightened in the moment. It's just something that catches her off guard. And so all of a sudden, Jesus appearing in the room. He's like, "Hey guys, peace, peace be with you. It's okay. It's okay." It's okay. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to make you jump out of your skin. I don't want anybody to have a heart attack right now. Like this is, this. it's okay. It's okay. And then he's like, yo, Tom, come over here. <laughs> and he's like, put your hands in my hands, put your side in my side. What does this tangible act of Jesus inviting Thomas to put his hands in his hands, the scars of his hands or into the scar of his side, what does this tangible act do to somebody's belief. At first, he probably only thought he followed Jesus, and he thought he was a great teacher, and he he, showed, he performed miracles like any of the other prophets had, and so he believed Jesus was just another prophet. But whenever he returned from the dead and revealed himself to Thomas again, he realized he's more than just a prophet. He is Lord and God, not just a prophet. Yeah, I agree. I think the physical proof that Thomas is an amazing testimony of the power of Christ to be inclusive. Totally inclusive. Crossing the boundaries of a county or a district. Count, crossing the state boundaries or national boundaries. Christ is inclusive to the point where he wants all mankind to know him and to see him as who he is, which is he is, as Xavier said, more than a prophet. Sometimes people get very confused with us as Christians when we say Jesus is the only way. You cannot believe in another God. You can't believe in yourself. You have to believe on Jesus in order to be saved. He is your Messiah. And I think this is a struggle for so many people because they want to make their own pathway. And yet Jesus isn't saying 
your pathway will lead eventually to me, which will then allow you to come to God. No, he's saying, you've been misinformed. You've trusted into a wrong process. The only way you can come to heaven is through the Messiah, and I am the Messiah. So believe on me, and you will be saved. We have a passage of scripture that points us to this, and it's really the whole chapter of Romans chapter 10, but we're just going to take verse 13 out of Romans chapter 10, and we're going to read it. Aisha. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When we talk about the name of the Lord, as I said, the buildup of all of Romans 10 is, is he's talking specifically about Jesus. So when we say those who call on the name of the Lord, we're talking about those who call on the name of Jesus, they will be saved. It's a promise that's been given to us. And it's not the kind of promise that we uh, have a reason to doubt because Jesus is perfect. He never lied. He never lies today. He never was distrustworthy. He's been trustworthy for all time. And people today, in the 20th century, in the 21st century, they've even had visions or dreams or direct contact where Jesus has appeared in their lives just like he did to Thomas, just like he did to the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. I think of a man from the 20th century here in North India, specifically in the state of Punjab. His name was Sadhu Sundar Singh. And he tells of a story. He tells of an eyewitness account that he was challenged to read the Bible and he didn't believe it. And as a young man in school, about Xavier's age, 16, 17 years of age, he went to bed and all of a sudden he had a dream and Jesus physically appeared to Sadhu Sundar Singh in that dream. And as a result of that, he came to faith in Christ and became a great preacher throughout northern India for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So the statement Jesus makes is, do not disbelieve, but believe. The next statement Jesus said is, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the category that I fit into. I have never had a dream of what Jesus looks like. I've never had a vision of Jesus myself. I have not. I have never physically seen Jesus and been able to touch the nail scars in his hand or his side. Instead, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and convinced me through several things, through scripture, God's word, the Bible. When I prayed, the Holy Spirit spoke to me proving Christ's existence through other servants of God and other people who are a testimony of who he is. That is how I came to faith in Jesus Christ. And my salvation moment came in a time where I was sitting in an empty room and I heard the voice of the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit, not physically to me like I'm talking to you right now, but within the depths of my soul. And the voice said to me, today, if you were to die, would you be with me in heaven or would you not? And in that moment, I made a choice at 16 years of age that I was going to follow Jesus with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength because the Holy Spirit, who always was pointing to Jesus as my Messiah, proved himself to me. How about you? Anybody else? 
Which category do you fit into? Have you had a vision, a dream of Jesus? Or has the Holy Spirit given you a testimony constantly pointing you to Christ? I fit into the category where I have not been spoken to or seen him, but I just know that he exists. So you're blessed because you believe and have not seen. Yeah. I believe him because Bible say, yeah, I believe in the Bible because that is, I feel like it's true, mm -hmm. 100% true. And whenever I pray, God, not always, but he answered my prayer, which he knows that I needed that time. Or I never seen any like vision or miracle in front of me but mm. I, I remember one when I, I when I uh, came to Christ and trying to kill myself like doing some what you said suicide yeah suicide and always I think oh if I cannot study I mm. have to suicide if I, this situation is not I have to suicide one day I cut myself and mm. Anudidi she is so upset with me and then uh, after a few days back I have seen a dream uh, like uh, I was sleeping and, uh, and there is some kind of what do you call kua in the demon like yeah yeah demon and they are all are crying and i'm also crying to see them they're just uh, uh, uh like standing beside me and they're crying and say and i i asked them why are you crying and they said oh because we are died so after dying there is no uh forgiven forgiveness and say okay and then he she this told me that you know Jesus right I said yes and they said told Jesus to save us then mm -hmm. I said Jesus please save us take me out from this place I don't want to stay here and that the voice I heard if you try and keep if you don't value yourself you are my temple if you don't value it uh, after the death you not will be forgiven if you hurt yourself and I just I kick the hand to my the, mm -hmm. my uh, the one staff she's besi sleeping beside of me and I kicked her like with, with my I yeah. punch her with my hand and she said what happened and I start crying and told her everything and uh -huh. she said it's okay she's a pray and she prayed for me uh -huh. so, yeah. absolutely either of you guys well I'm definitely the second one ever since I was three years old I've fully believed Jesus is the savior he came I had the what was it it's not an epiphany but similar to that not an epiphany but i had the realization within myself at, at the young age of being three hmm. that christ is the savior and that there is no other way and the older i got the more i doubted that thinking that well maybe there's other ways i don't know i mean i was three what did i know at three years old right and so the older i got the more i tried to see what other things were out there and then at 12 i realized now, all that's dumb. I don't need to worry about what the world has to offer, what this other religion has to offer, what people have to offer me, because Christ has always been there for me, even in this time of looking out for other things. I still, still prayed to God. I still had to read the, I still read the Bible, not had to read the, read the Bible, but I still read the Bible while doing other things. And I, I just realized that there's no other way but Christ. Mm. And that is through guidance of the Holy Spirit, not through uh, physical manifestation in my dreams or visions. God's word spoke to you. 
spoke to Aisha, spoke to you, has spoken to Mallory as well. I mean, the Bible is a very important passage of scripture uh, for us and our faith, there's no doubt. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comfort, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of the truth, whom the world could not receive, because it seeneth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, will come to you. Oh, I will come to you. (laughs) He says, I will come to you. He's referring to the fact that he will send the comforter, the comforter being the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit points us to Christ. This is his duty. This is his job in our lives, is to constantly point us to Christ. And the Holy Spirit is so beautifully uh, active in our lives, even in those moments, as Xavier was describing earlier, of doubt. I know I've had my own doubts throughout the years. Those moments don't ever change. But what brings such amazing comfort to me is the fact that in my moments of doubt, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and beat me up or strike me with a bolt of lightning, or hit me over the head with a big old stick or rod. That's what man does. Holy Spirit is patient with me, constantly pointing me back to the Bible, moments of prayer, and or conversations with people that continue to encourage me in my faith. And that is something as a minister of the gospel, if that's true for me, how much more true is it of others who are also working in the workforce as a call center representative or working as a business consultant in order to help companies continue to grow and be profitable and find more companies to work with. Of course, Jesus is constantly revealing himself. John then concludes with the catch-all verses. The catch-all verses meaning that he says, Many other things did Jesus do. I'm not going to record them all here. The reason I wrote this is so that that way you would believe on Jesus Christ. And so what he's doing in that moment is he's pointing to the fact that there is a book of Matthew that's going to have different stories than the book of John does. In the book of Luke, in the book of Mark, they're going to have different stories on Jesus than what is recorded in his passage of scripture. But they're all four written so that that way we would believe on the Messiah. The book of Acts, even the beginning of it, mentions Jesus. And again, later on in chapter 9, mentions the Apostle Paul following in love with Jesus. And as a result of these many things happening, these are different accounts. And so he's saying this is some of the things that Jesus did. And you're going to hear other eyewitness testimonies that are out there that point to Jesus, and they are also the truth. And so the book of John was written that today we might believe. And what happens through our belief? In accordance with the last portion of the scripture that we read today in verse 31, if we believe, we will have what? Life. You got it. Eternal life or life. So what is life? I mean, 
okay, I breathe, my heart beats, my brain works, I get all of that. But like, what is, what is life? Like, how do you know somebody's living? To me, life is the ability to wake up, the, be, the ability to be able to feel, to move, to blink, to breathe, to have an expectancy of expectance to have joy to discover to learn to grow life is being more than just inside of one place going out adventuring uh road trips being with family it's not just staying in your house all the time or whenever there are those people that are only living by machines that are able even to interact with the people that are visiting them they're not truly like they're alive but they're not able to live because they're not able to speak they're not able to do the things they want to do and tell you mm. the things they want to say because they're just out of it they're so done they're ready to die because i mean they're not living life is more than just the ability to breathe and see and smell and taste and some people are born without those things or lose those abilities later on in life, but still they can live without those abilities. But whenever you just can't do anything and you're laying in a bed and the only thing keeping you alive is a machine created by man, that's not living. Okay. Anything else that is life? Mallory, what is life to you? Well, whenever mommy mentioned the sleeping thing, um, I have thought, like, what would happen if I never woke up? And then sometimes I did think, is this really a dream? And then later I stubbed my toe and then I'm like, yeah, this is most definitely not a dream because I can feel pain. <laughs> okay. Because you know the thing that people say, like, whenever you have a dream and then you do something and you feel pain, or, like, if you don't feel pain, that would wake you, you up, know kind it's of not a dream. Mm. And so I know that and it's really funny because – Whenever you wake up, you don't know if you're going to wake up or if it's just a dream in your head. But whenever you wake up, like, you know that you woke up because you feel things. Like, whenever you have a dream, you don't feel anything. Okay. And when you're asleep, usually, you know those dreams where you have, like, when you're falling down a hole? If you're still falling down a hole and don't jump out, of your bed or something like if you like whenever you fall down a hole you wake up because you jump mm -hmm. in your bed and you realize that you jumped and you're like oh well it's still nighttime i guess i should go back to sleep see if you don't jump then you know that you're not good okay okay <laughs> okay i wrote down a few things for me it's fulfilling the uh, god-given dreams being with family I enjoy that. I love having fun. Absolutely. Anything that's an adventure or a challenge, that is living life. Uh, in the moment, sometimes, of the adventure or the challenge, there's a lot of heartache, moments of anger or being upset or being just like, oh, if this would ever end, why can't life be easier? There's those moments that happen, but as we get past those moments, I always feel so much more alive because... I've made it to the other side. And then not fearing death. Not fearing death. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, along with what we're talking about today, the resurrection of Jesus, doubt. Did 
as a result of Jesus being rose from the dead, then that gives us a promise and a fulfillment that we too will rise from the dead. And so we're going to read those passages of scripture, not in whole. If you want to take the time to do that later, that's great. First Corinthians chapter 15, the whole chapter. Blair will be reading for us 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8, and then 20 through 28. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, that each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to destroy is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is expected who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. So many other things are yet to come. We have promises to be fulfilled in our lives. But as we believe on him, as we believe in Jesus, he gives us dreams and visions. He gives us opportunities to continue to live life, but even to the point where, as we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he will one day put death to the side. And when that happens, life will be even more strengthened to the point where we will constantly be abiding with him. We will be abiding with him in that place that he is preparing for us right now. He's not yet come back for us, but yet we have some future to look forward to, a moment where Jesus will come. We will rise from the dead. Those of us who are alive now will rise and meet him in the air, and together we will be joined together with him. And for the rest of our lives, for all eternity, we will be with Jesus. These are promises that he gives us simply by proving himself through his resurrection from the dead. You guys have anything else in this passage of scripture? Thomas and all these things are written so we would believe. I'm grateful for Thomas that he was a man that was like, you know, I, you say it's Jesus, but I really need to see it. Like, I want to see it with my own eyes if this is really Jesus. Because I know in my own personal life, there's when someone's like, hey, this happened, and it's like, are you sure that really happened? I'm one that 
you really, I, I need to know the facts or go to that person and ask that person, I heard this, is this true? One can be very quick to jump to assumptions about a situation. And if you don't know all the facts, it never turns out very well. So for me personally, in life, I always try to ask a person in, if there is a subject that was brought up about them to go to them to ask, hey, is this true? Mm -hmm. So I, I like that approach of Jesus. And I know that not everybody's approachable like Jesus. Um, but if we're to be like Jesus, I want people to approach me. Like if someone has heard something about me, I would hope they could come to me to say, hey, I heard this about you. Is this true right. or not? And I would hope that they could trust me that I'm going to tell the truth, you know, that I'm not going to lie about my own self. So I like, I like Thomas's honesty. Yeah, absolutely. In conclusion, Thomas's testimony is encouraging to us today. It reminds us of the words of Jesus to do not disbelieve, but to believe. And blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And finally, those who believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that by believing in his name, they will have life in his name. This is the encouraging testimony we have. Mallory, will you close us in prayer? Thank you, Jesus, for this day and for every single day. And every single day we will worship you in Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.